Welcome to The Exit, the most prolific podcast for business owners preparing to transition a business. Today, on average, business owners leave 15 to 25% of their business value on the negotiating table when exiting a business. On The Exit, you will hear from some of the top transition and M&A advisors on how they help business owners like you through one of the most difficult life choices, the sale of your business. From transition preparedness to tax planning or driving value through operational enhancements, The Exit is the podcast that provides real-life insights and access to a network of experienced advisors. Brett Deering, your host, is one of the premier names in preparedness and exit planning for business owners. On The Exit, Brett will help guide you through key topics around preparedness planning while curating timely discussions focused on helping you maximize the value of your business, and when your time comes, help you realize your exit goals. So welcome to this episode of The Exit with your host, Brett Deering. Well, welcome everyone to this episode of The Exit. My name is Brett Deering. I'm your host today, and I'm going to start this conversation off in a little differently. I'm going to start with a statistic from Security Magazine, and they estimate that in 2021, a ransomware attack will take place every 11 seconds. So the discussion today that we're going to have is on cybersecurity and how small business owners are being impacted from an operational perspective, but also how cybersecurity and cybersecurity attacks can actually impact your transaction. And so just to kind of start this conversation for this episode, wanted to share another statistic. 43% of small businesses do not have a cybersecurity plan in place. And when you think about this past year with up to a 30% of your employees logging into work from their home computer in this hybrid function, this really creates an opportunity for cyber hackers or cybersecurity attacks for small business owners. And we're going to talk about that today in detail how it could potentially impact your business, and how, most importantly, it can impact a transaction or leading up to a transaction. And we're excited today. We have with us Deborah Nitka, and she's a manager at Cone Resnick's Advisory Group. And just want to start off by saying, Deborah, great that you're here with us, and we really appreciate you spending time to have a discussion on something that I think a lot of business owners have been concerned about. Absolutely excited to be here and talk about a topic near and dear to my heart. Just to give our, our listeners a little bit of background from on Deborah, Deborah's been in the information space for over 15 years. She's a manager at Cone Resnick's Technology Risk, Cybersecurity, and Privacy Practice. Probably another area that we should be doing an episode on is uh, privacy for business owners post-transaction. Deborah is a certified Scrum Master and a Certified Data Privacy Solutions Engineer. So again, Deborah, welcome. We appreciate you being here. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit of your background as to how you got into cybersecurity and privacy? But before you do that, could you please tell us what a Certified Scrum Master is? Diana, know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) When you figure it out, tell me. I can. In my long adventures career, um, I spent some time on, on the project and program management front to get information practices up. And Agile and Scrum is one type of project management, specific when you're dealing with the development of applications. So it, it comes into play nicely. Uh, I tend to use it in all of its glory for client management sometimes, but you know, not something that you see as much on, on the security front. 
Well, I appreciate that because I, I I was thinking it was some type of level within Fortnite, just because I think that's what my kids talk about <laughs> these days. And so I'm glad you clarified that for myself and for our listeners as well. But I'm sure that it probably the project management and the delivery of thought process and thesis, especially around data privacy and project managing, I'm sure that's probably fits well together. Tell our, our, our listeners a little bit about your background. How did you get into cybersecurity and privacy and, and how did you get to such a great firm like Cone Resnick? Yeah, thanks. I've spent my entire career in different areas of information. So how do we gather information? How do we curate information? How do we use information to make business decisions? And I think that because I have that perspective, I'm able to better help companies and advise companies of how do we now protect this information without making the protection so overly arduous that the businesses can't continue to build, they can't continue to generate revenue. Um, and they're, they're really just introducing so much friction into the process that it shuts them down. Sure. You know, that's a great point. I mean, so your background is for, for this conversation and for business owners, one that I think is so important, right? Because you, you've seen how information is created and how ultimately it's important to making decisions as a, as a business owner. The other component on the other side of that now is now you see all of this data being captured and you see these individuals and or entities that now want to take advantage of that information. And so, I mean, even today, I mean, we've seen some large companies fall victim to successful cyber attacks. I mean, Microsoft reported a breach of over 280 million records lost. And we still, to this date, don't really understand kind of what that information entailed uh, and what type of access and how long that access uh, that these cyber attackers had to Microsoft. SBA, which is even more timely, reported attackers broke into their systems around the allocation of the pandemic relief funds. And as somebody who worked very close with owners around the PPP strategy structure and, and also filing for the loans, there was a lot of really important information that was being captured and submitted for those loans. And so interestingly enough, we still don't understand how that information was captured and how now it's being used as a cyber attack. And then I think the one finally that everybody's started to take a look and say, okay, this is something that we want to focus on was the solar winds sunburst attacks. And I think that really highlighted to the United States how hyper-connected our supply chain was and our potential vulnerability and how easy it was to shut down uh, our supply chain. And so as a follow-up you know, question, as a state of the state, what are you seeing today around cybersecurity threats and what should small business owners be thinking about? Excellent, excellent question. At its core, cybersecurity is about protecting the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information. So is information that's meant to be confidential being kept confidential or does somebody who shouldn't have access to it able to access it? Can you trust the integrity of the information that you're presented with to make a decision on? Are you sure that it hasn't been tampered with? And lastly, around availability, is the information made available to you as you deem necessary? If it's real time, if, if, you're, if you need it on a weekly basis, whatever that might look like, is it available to you when you need it or has it been locked away by somebody, right? So when we think about how does it play in a business's ecosystem, right? And this is by all means not an exhaustive list, right? But it manifests in different ways. It's the computer network that information assets are sitting on. 
it's the applications and software that are being used by the business, you know, per, perhaps a, a financial GL package or a, a third-party distribution. It's the privacy and security of that, of the, the data, right? The, the data elements that are flowing across your network. It's the operational measures that these businesses need to be putting in place for accessing and handling information. Who's got access to it? What are they allowed to do with it? What are they implicitly not supposed to be doing with it? It's the way that businesses are, are prepared or not prepared to recover from a system going down, a system being made unavailable? Uh, how is it impacting the business's ability to continue generating revenue and, and doing business? And frankly, sure. it's the way that people within a business are being educated to be able to identify, hey, this is not doing what it should be doing. Hey, somebody from finance is asking me to go out and buy $10,000 worth of American Express gift cards and just send them right. the numbers off the back, right? So when we think about what are the threats that we're seeing, right? What, what's the question around how have threats evolved in recent years? I mean, you've named some of the, the big ones out there. We're seeing them on, on the front page of the New York Times. Most common that we're seeing in, in, in the last year or so is ransomware, right? Sure. It's certainly not new. It's the most prevalent that, that we're seeing. And its simplest form, when we go back to the availability, is information available when we need it. Uh, you could equate it to somebody stealing the keys to your kingdom and then saying, hey, I know that you built the kingdom, but we've got the keys. Now you've got to pay us. Well, no, it's interesting you say that because, you know, the one word that I can that continues to run through my mind when I hear this discussion is access. Right. And you're providing access to your employees. But, you know, if there's not some type of cybersecurity plan or strategy as a business owner, you could potentially also be, be providing access to cyber attackers, right? And that's one of the things that I think a lot of times, you know, business owners really aren't thinking about. And I'm just going to put this out there. You know, when I'm speaking to business owners and going through this assessment with them and I'm asking them, tell me a little bit about your cybersecurity strategy and your plan, there's almost like there's the, their head is in the sand and it's either one of the two or three kind of answers. Oh, that'll never happen to me. I don't think about it because my business is too small. I couldn't be a, a target. And, you know, the third is kind of this feeling, well, you know, I really haven't thought about it and I'm not too concerned about it. And, you know, for me, the way that I look at this is to say, why should a business owner be thinking about cybersecurity right now? Well, quite frankly, if large companies are spending an exorbitant amount of their annual budget on cybersecurity budgets, and they're increasing those budgets every year to be able to keep up with the threat. And so when you think about a cyber attacker, then if they know it's going to be more difficult to tap into some of these larger companies, some of these smaller companies are going to be very easy access points for data. And we need to define what small companies are. By definition, these are companies that have 500 or fewer employees. These are companies that could have hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue that really don't have a cybersecurity strategy in place that makes them a perfect target for cyber attack through ransomware or through phishing. Not to mention now you have this hybrid model, uh, working model that's being introduced and again, for business owners that are listening, we're not here to debate whether it's here to stay or here to go. Um, I think it's clear to say that at some point over the next few years, it's going to be a part of your working structure. The question is, what's your strategy around protecting those access points for cybersecurity for your business? And so tell me a little bit about that and your thoughts, Deborah, in that discussion. Are we, are we thinking about this the right way or should we be thinking about it differently? Absolutely, right? It, it all starts with, with getting access to somewhere that somebody shouldn't be, right? So 
when I, and when I say that, I mean the, the threat actor, right, the cyber criminal. So small businesses are certainly more appetizing to the nefarious actor. Uh, they don't have the maturity of bigger businesses in terms of cybersecurity strategy. You know, they're generally not in a highly regulated industry like banking, where there are mandates around having these, these protective controls in place. So they're becoming the lower hanging fruit, right? They're typically an environment where the technology is aging. They're not keeping up with patching. They're not keeping up with user awareness training. They're not keeping up with making sure that, hey, somebody parted ways with the company, but we never terminated their, you know, we never terminated their access. And it wasn't because of a bad reason. It's like, hey, we were too busy doing 12 other things and 12 other hats that we've got to wear to do this. Right. So certainly easier to penetrate. The other thing that's really attractive around small businesses for cyber criminals is that they're being used as launch pads to attack larger businesses. So a cyber criminal can gain access to a smaller business's environment, use their technological resources to then attack a much larger business. So when you start wow. doing the, the backwards analysis, the larger company is thinking, well, hey, the smaller company, the attack's coming from this smaller company. But really, the cyber criminal's been in that environment of the smaller company for who knows how long. Right. Um, you know, we had we had one client where somebody came in and they were using their processing capabilities to mine Bitcoin. Um, that's something that, you know, we wanted to, to be able to see. So, you know, we're seeing business operations of these smaller businesses really being impacted because they're not prepared to say, Hey, there's somebody in our network here, but we can shut it down and, and use this other capability. And, you know, it's not to say that every small business is equal to every larger business in terms of what needs to be in place from a cyber strategy. It's critical, critical, critical that when a cyber strategy is being designed, when a cyber strategy is being implemented, and it doesn't need to be something that's a 500-page book of here's how we're doing it, but it's, it's got to meet the, the size of the business where it's at. It's got to be able to scale with the business as it grows. And, you know, I spend a lot of my day in, day out working in, in two very specific areas that are relevant, right? One is sell-side due diligence for cybersecurity, and one is buy-side due diligence for cybersecurity, mm -hmm. right? So from, from a buy-side, I spent a lot of my time working with equity groups to say, hey, we're looking at this target to acquire it. Can you go evaluate their cybersecurity readiness? And that's not to right. say that we expect hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars to be spent on cybersecurity, but we expect there to be some sort of recognition to, hey, this is a legitimate problem for our business and we need to be able to meet it. So there's one number that I want to share with our listeners and it's 200, right? And I, there was a statistic that showed that on average, it could take upwards to 200 days to actually find out if there's somebody that's either in your system or accessing, accessing your data. And, you know, in 200 days, that's a long time for somebody to be sitting inside of your server, collecting data or scraping data. And so for a lot of times, business owners, the thing you want to focus on before we go to intermission is just to say, just because something hasn't happened yet doesn't necessarily mean that it's not in process. And it doesn't mean that it's not necessarily going to happen. And so you want to start taking steps to talk about with your team how you can be more secure um, 
around limiting those access points. And we're going to go to break, but just to give uh, everybody an understanding, uh, in the uh, episode, you'll see a couple of links to uh, the FCC and how they have what they're considered their cybersecurity planning tool uh, that you can utilize if you don't have an idea around getting your head around cybersecurity. It's a great tool to help you start formulating what that looks like specifically for your company. Uh, also, uh, the Department of Homeland Security and uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure has what's called their Supply Chain Risk Management Toolkit. So you can go take a look at that and you can start to think about how you can start to protect your supply chain, as well as they do some vulnerability scanning as well. So if you don't have those resources and capabilities, those are a couple of public sites that you can go to that are secure uh, where you can gather more information. And so this seems to be like a really good place for us to take a break. So we'll be right back after a quick word on the importance of a proper business assessment. When is the last time you had a formal preparedness assessment conducted on your business? And why is it important? From not knowing where to start in the process to receiving bad advice, selling a business is one of the most difficult processes you will go through. It is also one of the most important decisions you will make. So why leave your success to chance? Our preparedness assessment will prepare you and your business for transaction by helping you navigate the pitfalls of the sales process. Find and fix issues that could cause a loss of value at sale or totally disrupt your ability to sell. So start today by clicking on the link in the summary of this podcast to take a quick business checkup and receive your free copy of the six questions to ask yourself before selling. Now, back to the podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're here with Deborah Nitka from Cone Resnick, and we're talking about cybersecurity and some of the areas that business owners need to be mindful of around cyber attacks and how it could impact the operations. On this second segment, we're going to talk about how it could potentially impact a transaction and how cyber attackers are being more strategic about accessing data, important data leading up to a transaction, and we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to just kind of start this discussion. I'm going to give you an example uh, of a company, a light fixture company that um, you know has a financial buyer that's interested in this business. They've gone through kind of the six months of work of prep to get the business ready for transaction with their advisory team. They've spent 30 to 45 days of due diligence with the potential buyer around the business, making sure that all elements are in place and as are stated by the potential buyer. And then there's also a signed letter of intent. And now they're beginning to work on the sale purchase agreement. And all of a sudden, bam, the potential seller is hit with a ransomware attack. Deborah, in that particular situation, what should a seller do? You're in a, you're in a sell position, right? And you have a potential buyer, a financial buyer, private equity group that wants to invest in your business. You've gone through this process. You've been very, very careful. You've been very prepared. And all of a sudden, you're hit with a ransomware attack. What, what are some of the things that you'd share with a seller about that situation? Yeah, so I'm glad that you gave it gave it a, a case, right? Because ransomware and, and the reaction that you can take really is very much a case by case basis for reaction. So there are a few things to consider, and I I will preface this by saying, you know, these are things to consider after you call your legal counsel. Um, this is one of those opportunities in business where you really want to make sure you're taking what you can to be protective upfront. And because this is such a sensitive issue, there are there really are strong benefits 
of discussing the responses in the plan of action under attorney-client privilege. I will say that there, you know, there are even times where we will have attorneys reach out to us and say, hey, we have a client, but because of the sensitive nature of the questions we want to ask, we want to do this in a, in a privileged manner. Right. So, you know, first and foremost, what's your incident response plan? Um, if it hasn't been dusted off, great time to dust it off and stop using it as a doorstop, right? Because that's right. going to give you what are, what are the agreed upon procedures as a company from a risk tolerance perspective that we've already said, here's what we're comfortable doing in terms of reaction. We know that we have a disaster recovery for our servers. We know that we could back up from, you know, snapshots from last night or last year, we know what our criticality of, of systems are. If you're, if you're in an industry that's, that's regulated, in terms of, of light fixtures, most likely not, right? There, there, are other there are other considerations you might have to make. Um, the other thing that, that you really need to sit down and measure is, you know, what are the systems that you think were compromised? Because you're not going to know upfront just how wide this, ransom, this ransomware might have gone. So sit down and, and really put pen to paper, right? And make sure you've got the right people at the table. You know, there's there's a, a large impact of what the tone at the top is of how to respond, right? Some people are going to say, hey, we just go, you know, we just go and let's just pay it, right? And, you know, somebody maybe a little more juniors be like, oh, I, I think that I could, you know, play the hero here. So the, it's very important that that all the different people who have a voice in the conversation come together to have that discussion because you don't want the reaction to be slinging from the hip. You want it to be a, a concerted effort to say, here's what we've agreed upon that we can do. Here's what we're, here's what we're willing to do in this, in this space. Do we have to get our, our cyber insurance carrier involved? Um, what are the different ways that, that we need to react in a way that's going to protect our business and protect the decisions that we did or implicitly did not make in order to mm. respond? So I'm thinking from a summary perspective for our listeners. So the first thing is they want to talk to legal counsel, right? They want to get involved Absolutely. with their legal counsel quickly. The second thing they want to do is look at what their recovery strategy is. If they don't have an updated strategy, then they need to get a team in place quickly to be right. able to understand what that looks like. Thirdly, now you want to sit down with the team and say, okay, how much has been impacted and you know, what's the severity of the impact? And we right. want to think about that holistically, uh, not just for ourselves, but for our suppliers, for our customers. Right. So all entry points into your business, you want to think about how that attack has impacted those individuals. Uh, and then you want to start to create the structure around how you want to go about remedying, I guess, this ransomware attack. It's interesting. You said some people just say, well, just pay it, Right. And my question, and this is my own personal question, okay, so I pay it and yep. I get the keys back to my kingdom. How do I know that there aren't people still in my kingdom waiting for me or waiting for my suppliers or for my clients to gain their to gain access to their information? That is an excellent question. Mm -hmm. Normally what we what we what we advise um, in those types of situations is to start doing some forensic testing. You can do testing over, you know, whose credentials were used? What, what was the path in, right? Was the path in a mouse hole in the baseboard of, of your floor? You know, you want to start doing some intrusive testing of, you know, was, was a situation in somebody coming from the outside coming in? Was it a situation where they sent a phishing email, right? And now they were the path into your network was, dif was different. And 
it became, all right, well, we're in your network, how far can you go? So there are forensic tools and, and, and technical testing that can be done. And we absolutely suggest it, it does get done immediately after to see, hey, what, what's the likelihood that somebody is still in our system? What is the likelihood that even though we, we might have paid this ransom, they're sitting and waiting to, you know, to do it all again? And, you know, I think the, the other thing that, that tends to get forgotten is who's helping facilitate this for you, right? And I've always been a big believer that there, there will always be people smarter than I that have faced something before I faced it the first time, right? right. And you want right. to reach out to those that have. And I think what, in a way, when you're, when you're dealing with a ransomware and the reaction to a ransomware, it's, you may not want to rely on somebody who's your, your in-house guy to do this because there is, a, there is a bias in the way that they're going to approach those staff. You want to make sure that you've worked with counsel, you've worked with your your cyber insurance carrier to bring in the right partner to say, hey, if we are going to pay, if we are going to do this, we've got the right people looking to eradicate the access. And so I'm going to ask you the liability question, knowing that obviously for disclosure for our, our listeners, you're not an attorney. <laughs> but I think, you know, from from our perspective, we want to understand kind of what you're seeing, your experience um, through your eyes is what our, our listeners need to see, you know, how it's being handled from a liability perspective. But let me just pivot for one quick second. In the first segment, I kind of gave you some public information around areas you can go to to start that process. But what we're talking about now is being specific, right? You don't have to have the A to Z mm -hmm. strategy for cybersecurity. You just need to have the right cybersecurity strategy for your business. And it sounds like with Cone Resnick and what you do around for your businesses, not only just as operations, but around pre-transaction strategy and or transaction strategy, you help that business owner create that customized strategy for their specific needs. Is that, is that an accurate comment? That is spot on what I get to do 24-7. And because there are different ways that, you know, we're going to look at it. And I think at the top of, of this question, you had, you had made a really important point, right? You know, this could be a company that's already well into the transaction period. They're, you know, you're, you're at the point where you're starting to, to trade back and forth on, on final numbers, right? So what does it look like for the acquirer to now say, hey, hold up, there's, there's this business impact that we're not so sure that we've got the risk appetite to take on to in our portfolio. We've got investors to, that have trusted us with their funds to make this investment. Maybe, maybe the, the long-term reasoning for this deal was to, to sell it off for parts, which now we can, or to integrate it into a, a larger technology environment, which now we're introducing risk there, right? So I, I think it's right. important to kind of think through, you know, what is the impact that something like this could have to a deal? Because when we're looking at it from a buy side diligence, right, and, and when we're working with those, those equity groups to say, hey, Deb, we're, we're looking at this company, can go look under the hood, go kick the tires, tell, tell me what we're taking on, right, it could have a very material impact to the deal actually being successful. You know what, cyber insurance, not all the same, not always going to cover all issues. You generally have some sort of clause saying you've got to you've got to be proactive about your cybersecurity and make sure that there are the correct protections in place or your policies null and void, right? Mm. So you know it Great could point. mean several million dollars of cost to actually come back from this 
ransomware attack for this, this lighting company, right? And that could very well impact the, the feasibility of a, a deal going through. So, you know, when, when we're looking at it sell side and we're looking at what are the preparations that these businesses need to take, right? We look at it really through the lens of what are you doing that's right for the size of your business? You're a lighting company. You don't, you may, you're not in a highly regulated you know, industry where you've got to have massive amounts of protection and investment to do this. But this is something that you can fold into the general cyber hygiene of your company, the general IT hygiene of your company. Based on your human capital, what's the talent that you have in-house to be able to manage these things on a day-to-day -day basis? Where could you be lever leveraging your partners? Are you using a managed service provider for your, for your IT management that could be helping to do this? And quite frankly, when it comes to smaller businesses, the question we get all the time is, I've got a dollar to spend. How am I best spending that dollar in this space? to be able to get the greatest amount of protection that I can without disrupting the revenue. I mean, there's a lot of great nuggets inside that commentary, right? I mean, I think from my perspective, looking at the exit, right, and most importantly for business owners that are listening, and there's quite a few that listen that I work with, and, and they know this conversation and what I'm about to say. You have to invest in your business to be able to Absolutely. sell your business. And so Absolutely. from the perspective of cybersecurity, on average, it's about the it costs a business about three point eight six million dollars to rectify a cyber attack. But when I'll talk to when I talk to my listeners, what I'll simply say is, what's the cost or value for you if you don't invest in having that you know that conversation with a firm like Cone Resnick? You know, what's the cost of 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 a sale, right, or losing value of a business that you've worked so hard for? to build that value before transaction and you have a cyber attack or a ransomware attack. So what I would say to you, what I would implore you to do is to say, even though yes, there is an investment because ultimately you're spending very little to get that strategy in place to protect yourself against somebody devaluing your business because it's no longer valuable because of this ransomware attack and or maybe even no longer sellable um, because of you know this ransomware attack. So again, these are these are great points. I think the other thing you said was, you know, having some type of outsourced IT that may take a look at this. This might be a great way for you as a business owner to start the process if you don't have that team in place in-house to start identifying some of those outsourced resources to be able to do that. And so these are all really great um, conversations. I'm going to hit you with the hard question now, which is the liability question, <laughs> right? Because I know you thought we're five minutes away. He totally forgot about this. I did not. <laughs> I did not forget about the liability question. For somebody who's sitting at the table and sees this happen you know, in a transaction, from a liability perspective, what have you seen around liability for the actual seller who has this ransomware attack, what does that liability picture look like for them? At least help them paint that picture. It's a tough question to answer, you know, and I think where, where we see a lot of volatility in, in what the reaction is there is around how distressed is the business? How desperate are they to, to make this exit? Is it a strategic play? Do they intend to stay involved with the business post-transaction? Is that part of the plan? Sometimes it's, hey, you know what? We're willing to absorb the cost of responding to this from the transaction price, right? Sometimes it's mandated from, from, the, from the, 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 the buyer side, right? Hey, we're only willing to continue if you're willing to take, you know, five, 10 million off, off a ticket 
and sometimes you said five or ten million off of the sale five to ten million off of the sale price price. right so right right. so i just want to make sure that might have slipped by our (laughs) listeners um and so i wanted to bookmark that so there is and and again my definition of risk for uh you know a seller of a business is basically discounting the value of your business so in this particular situation this risk of a cyber attack is a direct discount in value at sale correct oh Big time. And that's just that's just the known, right? Then let's talk about some of the, the questions of the unknown, right? You know, when, when we think of a, a cyber attack, when we think of the, the onus of having to respond, it's an iceberg. And there are things that you just don't know. I'll give you an example. About, about a year ago, I was working with, with a company on a, a sell-side deal. And we had discovered through our, our diligence efforts and through technical testing that they'd been breached and they'd been breached and some of the inf- some of the information that had been stolen was credit card information. So now you've got to go deal with PCI compliance, right? And and the question of well, are the credit card issuers still going to want to do business with this brand? So so brand hey, it's, brand it's, damage. It's brand damage, right? Are your consumers that you now have to alert that their information is compromised going to want to come back and continue shopping with you, right? Or are they going to go to a, a direct competitor? What what are the implications for now having to deal with, you know, if, if somebody was in my network, were they able to get to business partner networks? Were they able to get to, you know, anybody who's interconnected to our systems? So, you know, it, it can go down the line. And quite frankly, if, if the question on the table is, hey, we're going to knock off a, a couple of bucks from, from the purchase price, that might be your best case scenario in, in some of these things, right. right? And then when you start getting into, well, how large is the business? Or do they now have to deal with state level fines because of, of this data breach? You know, almost every single state will have some rule around, you know, if you hit this threshold of records that were breached, there are, there are monetary fines that you have to pay. So it gets more and more expensive, you know, as you, as you go down this iceberg, right? Until you're at the point where you're like, hey, how much is this really going to be able to impact? How much are there going to be demands to leave money in escrow to be able to to cover the costs? You know, will will the cyber insurance carriers step up to cover these costs? What are the ongoing costs for having to notify, you know, people whose information was compromised, for having to notify our, our business partners if systems were compromised, to having to deal with an internal investigation, you know, to having to deal with, with brand reputation disintegration. So it becomes more and more complicated as you go down the line. And there are going to be buyers out there that, are, that have lived through this and say, hey, you know what? There are two types of companies, those that have been breached and those that will be breached, right? And and thankfully, right. We're, we're, we're buying what we know, right, versus buying the company that will eventually be breached. Then there are going to be buyers that say, hey, you know what? I'm washing my hands of this deal. I'm, I'm not into it. And quite frankly, and, and Brett, you're, you're the professional that I get to call it these questions, right? But, you know, what's the appetite of, of putting this? putting this opportunity back on market um, and what is the yeah. appetite of of the sellers to, to go through the, the painful process again so you know when, when you talk about that that nearly four million dollar cost of, of responding to a breach right when you're talking about dollars that you could be spending sub sub two hundred thousand up front to say you know what do we need to put in place what are the measures that we could already be leveraging that might already be in our environments you know where could we be be transferring some of this risk to service providers like our our CRM provider or ERP provider you know those are questions that very very quickly become 
you know, a, a tenable cost for businesses mm. upfront because it's that much cheaper to deal with it upfront than it is sure. to deal with it when the oh no moment happens. Well, and I'm going to tie this to, and then we'll transition to a couple of the questions that um, our listeners asked me to ask you. But you know, you're talking about the cost upfront. But what I what I'm saying to a business owner as well is. Think about the due diligence process. You just said uh, earlier on in our conversation that you talk to the buy side team and ask them to put forth some type of due diligence around cybersecurity. And so think about your business from a value perspective. There's two businesses sitting side by side. One has gone through the process of putting together a cyber strategy or the team goes into due diligence on that business and you see that they've done a really good job of trying to, to, to manage their strategy. On the other side is a, a company that really hasn't done much around cybersecurity. And from a due diligence perspective, you look at it and say, hey, listen, there's some, some serious risk here just based on the business model. Which one to you is more valuable? To my listeners, this is what I'm trying to share with you, right? It's not just the fact that you're doing it. It's the fact that when you go to sell, and I know a lot of you say, I'm not ready to sell yet, Brett, but when you do come or somebody knocks on that door, it's too late at that moment to institute that strategy. And so that's one of the things that we want to talk about and why it's important to go through, you know, having a conversation uh, with Deborah and Cone Resnick about what your potential opportunity and strategy should be around cybersecurity. And so I know we have a few minutes left and I want to get to a couple of questions. We did have you ask a few within our discussion, but I think the one that um, was really, that stood out to me is, and this sounds like a business owner that might be thinking about this or may have some issues that they are trying to address is, what should they do if they are affected by ransomware? They've been affected by ransomware. You know, I think we talked about that, those steps, but what are, what are the, some of the things that they should be thinking about before they're affected by ransomware? I preface this to all my, my friends in the legal world that deal with this on a day in, day out basis. You are some very, very hardworking friends and, and, and folks. And I am always a, um, a supporter of, of proactive cybersecurity. Right. Activities. So, you know, even if you say, hey, I'm, I'm a lighting manufacturing company, I, I'm not a technology platform, you know, why would anybody be interested in me? Um, I absolutely suggest have somebody come in and just do a, a, a quick poke around, right? What's going on? What do, what do you have? What are your systems that you're using? You know, where might there be a backdoor where somebody can get in, have somebody come in and, and do some technical testing and, and put on a, a pretend cyber criminal hat and try to get into your network and see how far they can get. Test your people. Simulated phishing campaigns have been proven time and time time again to educate employees on how to spot something that is fake. Your people are your first line of defense. If they're clicking links they shouldn't be clicking, guess what? Direct entry for a threat actor. So doing a lot of this proactive work is very important because you're becoming more aware. You're embedding it into the culture of your company. And if the day does come that, that something like you know ransomware happens, again, your, your attorney in this case, I hope they're not charging you, you know, too much, but whatever they're charging, is, it's going to be worth it to have that conversation to start making business decisions. If you're carrying cybersecurity insurance, reach out to your carrier. They, they can provide services through their partner networks around doing forensic investigations, seeing how far these threat actors could have gone, seeing, you know, where information might have been compromised. Because again, 
there's there's this thought of, hey, ransomware happens. I know exactly what was in that system that the threat actor compromised. Hey, guess what? Just because you're seeing it on screen one doesn't mean that it's, it's affecting you know, the, direct, the directly correlated system. So there is some investigation that has to happen to say, you know, just what was this threat, threat actor able to compromise? Was it intellectual property? Was it customer records? Was it, you know, was it your, your floor planning? Was it your supply chain or ERP system, right? So it's really oh, important wow. to kind of to figure out what don't you know that you don't know right? And not make rash reactions to try to remedy the situation. No, that's great. That's great feedback and, and great advice, you know, for our listeners. We have one other question before we get to mm-hmm. our exit question. And this one actually is interesting. Do you have to disclose to customers, advisors, if you've been attacked by ransomware? That's a great question. That is a great question. Again, a, a great question for you to, you know, make your local attorney slut but there there are mandates, right? There are state-by-state breach laws of, of when and how you have to inform customers if their data was, was breached. Was there enough protected, um, you know, and, and personally identifiable information that somebody could truly say, hey, you know, I... I breached the information of this company. Deborah Nitka's information was there. Here's her email address. Here's maybe, you know, the, her, her credit card number used for the sale. Here's, you know, her, her address of where the information was shipped to, right? Or was it, hey, I breached this thing and all I got was that the, the demographic of buyers for this company is somewhere between the ages of, of 35 and 50. So right. it, it depends what the information was. Um, it depends how the person has gotten to your system. Is this a situation where, you know, your system was compromised, but then it, it also led to maybe a, a business partner system potentially being compromised. Um, and in terms of a, a deal that you're working on, right. And again, this is, a case by case, but you know, would would you be wanting to sell your business knowing that full well if you close on Monday, Tuesday, this is going to come out, right? And there are liabilities and, and legalities that you need to deal with after that. So, you know, it, it depends on the situation, depends on on the breadth and, and the depth. On a, a personal note, I I've always thought the transparency was best because there's ways around it. There's ways to still say, hey, how can we salvage? the deal, how can we still salvage what we're trying to work on? And again, having the right partners in place, having a board of advisors that understands, you know, here's the technical issue that happened, but now here's the impact to the business. Being able to work with your attorneys that specifically understand, you know, technology and, and cybersecurity or privacy breach issues. Because at the, at the end of the day, if, if you're that far into a transaction, it's going to come out, right? And whether it comes out in, in the deal that you're working on, or if it, you know, it falls through and it, it'll come out in the diligence of, of the next deal. Yep. It'll come out in the, in the reps and warrant discussions, you know, get ahead of it is, is the best that I could advise. You really brought that up through reps and warranties, right? Because I think a lot of times business owners feel once the ink is on, you know, the page and it dries, yep. um, no reps and warranties are a direct, uh, claw back into any issues that you might have had, and and again, last thing you want to do is sit here with you know the new buyer and be in in some type of arbitration around yeah. the fact of stating, well, I didn't know, or you know, no, there was nothing there, and they go back and find something that was that that there was something there. You know, that's something that you don't want to be in a situation of having to deal with, and so you want to deal with that upfront and proactive is is something that I think is very 
good advice. I mean, I'm going to summarize kind of what you said in the in the analogy that you used, the keys to the kingdom, right? And so a lot of business owners say, well, my business, my kingdom is not valuable to ransomware or to a cyber attacker. And what I would say is that might very well be true. However, they do know that the keys that you need to get into that kingdom are valuable to you. Yep. And they know that you need those keys to do that. And so what I would tell my listeners is when you're thinking about this, think about it from that perspective. How valuable is your business to you? And what are you willing to pay to get back, you know, to get the keys to get back into your business? And so with that being said, I'm going to ask you the exit question, Deborah, and that is uh, if there was one piece of advice you would want to offer our listeners today about cybersecurity, what would that piece of advice be? You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll share what I, I counsel most folks that I, I talk to with, which is cybersecurity is a business issue. It is not an IT issue. It doesn't matter how sophisticated your systems are. If you are in business, you need to worry about cybersecurity. And the best way to do that is to do it proactively. It doesn't mean that you need to go out and spend $5 million proactively. It means you need to know what you've got because you need to be able to protect it. Wow. I mean, I, that's so, that was so great. I'm going to say it again twice, which is it's not an IT issue. It's a business issue. For our listeners that are out there that may be thinking about, have heard this episode and think, well, you know what, I need to pick up the phone and take action. How do they get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to get in contact? So uh, easiest way, Cone Resnick is Google friendly. Go ahead and and search Cone Resnick. We've got um, a great landing page up there with all of our cybersecurity, privacy, technology risk services, and you can get in touch with our team directly. And of course, you know, Brett, you and I get to get to chat all the time. For those that are listening, if you can get in touch with Brett, you can get in touch. And, you know, for, for our listeners and, and new listeners, welcome. Um, but if there's a question that you have about your business, there's a question about cybersecurity and or just focusing on understanding your business better through an assessment, reach out to me uh, via info at tepodcast.com. Well, that'll about do it for this episode of The Exit. Deborah, you've been an amazing guest and we appreciate all of your insights. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and, and letting me geek out about my favorite topics. And until next time, everyone, always be thinking about The Exit. Take care. You've been listening to The Exit. Start your preparedness journey today by clicking on the link in the episode website of this podcast to take a quick business checkup and receive your free copy of the six questions to ask yourself before selling. If you have any questions about this podcast or how we can specifically help you, contact us at info at tepodcast.com. Take the first step to exiting on your terms. And remember, always be prepared for the exit.